Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So I'm dealing with a situation. I don't want to say it's like a crisis because I don't I'm not like too stressed about it. It's just it's just kind of annoying, you know. So I live in a nice, cool, finished basement. It's my basement. I pay for it. This ain't no this ain't no mama's basement type of situation. Okay? I pay bills, bitch. Anyway, um the AC and furnace is down here and then the condensation that, you know, it creates, it drips out and it gets drained. There's a drain right next to it. However, the drain has backed up. So um it's now flooding the furnace room. And then leaking into my finished basement with carpet and everything. And so for the last two days or so, I have just been obsessively trying to get this carpet clean. I mean, it's probably ruined it anyway. But still, I want it to be dry at the very least. So I've just taken this vacuum and I've gone over my carpet so many times, over and over and over again. I get a hose, I I put it in the drain that's clogged, and then just suck up all the water out of that thing and dump it out somewhere else. And I've just been doing this for hours, for the last like two days. I've just been sucking up all this water to get it out of my room. And still, it doesn't suck as much as the Royals this season. This is the Royal Deluxe Podcast, a podcast bringing you breaking news and analysis of the Kansas City Royals every Monday and Friday as part of the Fans First Sports Network. Thank you very much for listening. And I'm Lux, at least that's what I keep telling people, and I already described my ongoing situation. Uh, maybe the acoustics will be a little bit different in this, so maybe I'll be echoey a little bit more, because it's a long story about how I had this place set up, but... It's a little bit different right now. You might also hear like a fan go off. That would be the AC. Once again, something that was kind of like closed off, but now I have to have it open for a bit. Sorry, sumimasen. Oh, here it goes. Yeah. You might not actually be able to hear it. But look, it's hot outside, okay? I need it to run. Like, I, I understand that it's actively ruining my room, but like, what am I going to do? Not have AC? That's ridiculous. Anyway, at Royal Deluxe Pod, that's the podcast Twitter, at the MFNKC, that's my Twitter. Um, I would plug my threads like I did a week or two ago, but it banned me. I literally didn't even post anything. See, I told you that that place was screwed up. I told you it was messed up. I told you that it just does stupid stuff. And you want to know how to, like, get unbanned from threads? First, you have to put in your email, and then they'll send a code to your email. Then you have to put in another code. This one, it gets sent to your phone number. So you have to put your phone number in. You get a code sent to your phone number. Then you put in that code. Then you have to put in another code. This code, you have to write down on a piece of paper and take a picture of yourself holding it. That's how you have to get unbanned from threads. 
So, yeah, you know what? Uh, screw Mark Zuckerberg and whatever creepy-ass platform he wants to use that's also impossible to use because you just get banned for literally doing nothing on it. Sorry. I'm, like, already really off-topic, but listen. The Royals are bad. They're really bad, and there's not much to talk about with them. Not a whole lot new is going on. So, this episode is going to be a little bit, I don't know, unhinged, would that be the right word? Off-topic, I think, would be a better thing to say. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the Royals, okay? We've got some roster news, as always. Some IL moves, guys going off and on the IL. Some options, minor league options occurring. And then we'll talk about this four-game series that happened against the Detroit Tigers. But again, there's not a whole lot to really dissect from this series. I mean, I guess there are, like, a couple of good things that I kind of appreciate, but otherwise it's just, you know, we're in that part of the season. Nothing's going on. There's not a whole lot of, like, new topics to bring up. And then later we'll talk about the upcoming three-game series against the New York Yankees in New York. But today I actually wanted to bring up some, like, lesser important stuff. Just, like, some silly stuff that the Royals are involved with. So there's an article that I, uh saw I follow this account uh, this website it's uh, the, the Twitter account for the website awful announcing and every year they have like a fan vote of the of every MLB broadcast team so there's like a, a ranking of each MLB booth commentary booth according to people just in general I don't know how serious it is but I felt like bringing it up because it was like kind of funny to me and also I wanted to look at the Royals' charities. This is my, I, I know that this is, like, really unimportant, but I thought it would just be fun to look at it because I actually don't really know what they were um, offering this year. I didn't really see it all that much, and, I was kinda, and it was kind of weird because I, I, I want to believe that in past years they make, like, a really big deal about it. Like, they, like, like, it goes on for a couple of weeks, but then there's that last game. There's, like, that they make this one game, and it's like, okay, the, the, the auctions end at the end of this game and so like constantly throughout the game they talk about the auction and show like oh here are all the top bids and you know it's like this epic bidding war or something they didn't really do that this year i mean they mentioned it they brought it up but i don't feel like there was as much drama and something about that i don't know i i think i have like rose tinted glasses about how they used to do it but i don't actually know like what the actual things you could bid on were and i but they they just kind of like gave out like little things like oh happy hour with john sherman and i'm like i want to know what this is and i kind of want to react to it because it sounds funny and i don't know that's just the only way i can make content this week because the royals themselves aren't really giving me anything else to talk about so kind of a non-serious episode i suppose but you know what i needed this because, A, like I keep saying, Royals are really boring right now. B, dealing with annoying situations at home. I mean, again, not like stressful. I don't like get stressed about it. It's not like, it's not, it's not like a big deal. I mean, it's just it's just annoying. But still, it's like, all right, you know what? I don't want to take anything too seriously. I'm just going to have fun with this. This is like a freestyle right here. So let's talk about roster news first. Um, Edward Olivares has returned from the IL. He had like a like a level one quad strain or something like that. I don't remember what it was specifically, but it was extremely minor. And I remember saying it like it happened right before the All-Star break. And I remember saying, OK, they put him on the 10 day IL, not the 15 day. So they must think that this is going to clear up like 
really, really soon. And so hopefully he'll be back before the All-Star break. Or not the All-Star break, um, the trade deadline. Because we are thinking that Edward Olivares could be traded at the deadline. And sure enough, he's back. He came back. Whatever strain or whatever it was he had is gone. And um, I think he actually hit pretty well in the Tigers series. Um, so that's some pretty good news. But in exchange, Samad Taylor was optioned to AAA Omaha. Uh, once again, it's like, honestly, in this case, I kind of get it. Like, I would prefer to have Ali over Samad right now because Samad just isn't doing a whole lot. And, you know, Ali can actually hit. And by God, do we need hitters in this lineup right now. Um, but I still am just kind of looking at the Royals like... You sure you want to just constantly juggle this guy between leagues all the time? I just don't think that's ever a, a good thing. I don't think it really helped Edward Olivares the last couple of years. I don't think it's helping Nate Eaton right now. I mean, I know Nate Eaton is just mashing in AAA, but I don't know. Let him just keep some momentum somewhere and then call him up when you really think that he's made some significant changes. But whatever. Um, so some odd Taylors in AAA Omaha. We'll see... Um, when he comes back, I would prefer it if they just, like, kept him down for the entire... Well, not the entire rest of the season, but, like, saved him for September. Although, the Royals might actually use September for some pitcher tryouts, like, I don't know, Anthony Veneziano. Veneziano. I always forget how it's supposed to be said. Uh, and I feel like there's someone else, like Jonathan Bolin, maybe, could come up in September. Because we only have a... It's only a 28-man roster right now, as opposed to the 40-man the roster that it, that it used to be in some past years. So it's not like we... It's not like the September call-ups will be all that uh, numerous. So who knows? I'm not entirely sure what they'll do with Samad Taylor. I hope he does come back at some point, though. Because, you know, I said a while ago that Samad Taylor could be a regular player on this roster moving forward. Not an amazing one, not a stellar one, but someone who will stick... He'll play multiple positions, and he'll hit decently enough where you won't complain about him too much. That just hasn't really happened right now, unfortunately. And then uh, Austin Cox was called up. Not much to say right there. Austin Cox has, like, really shown some, uh, some, some small brilliance in his time with Kansas City so far this season. Uh, what was his, like, ERA? 3.32 ERA in 21.2 innings. Granted... Some of that is uh, it's like kind of skewed. That doesn't really tell the full story because it started with like you know 39 consecutive batters that he didn't give up a run from, or something like that. That that actually seems a little bit extreme. Wait, no, yeah, that'd be like 13 innings. So yeah, I'm I'm right. But then you know when he was actually starting, he wasn't doing so well. So who knows? Um, but in exchange, Daniel Lynch the fourth. That's a thing now. Apparently, he goes by Daniel Lynch the fourth. Um. He is now on the 15-day IL with a shoulder strain, so that kind of sucks. Maybe that explains why he wasn't doing so well in his last start. He went five innings, gave up five earned runs, just didn't really have much of anything in there. So um, that's, a, that's really unfortunate because, if nothing else, Daniel Lynch was definitely helping this rotation just by actually pitching innings. He was going six-plus innings consistently. And just doing all right. I really like the process of Daniel Lynch, the, the, the way he was throwing his pitches, keeping the fastball high in the zone, and then using the breaking stuff low in the zone to get guys away. Or not even really, get, he, he wasn't really putting guys away. He wasn't getting strikeouts, but he was at least getting weak enough contact where no one was really doing a whole lot of damage to him. So I do think that it's kind of a loss for uh, this rotation to not have Daniel Lynch around for... Uh, ho hopefully he'll be back in a couple of weeks. Hopefully it'll only be like a 15-day stint. 
Um, but it, you know what? It just I just now realized this is the second time Daniel Lynch has been injured with his shoulder. I think this season. Oh man, wait a minute. Now I'm suddenly way more concerned. Is that bad? Should I be Should I be worried? Should I be panicked? I just said I wasn't going to be stressed about anything. Oh god, I'm stressed now. No. But anyway, hopefully Austin Cox can, uh, you know, pick this up, pick up uh, where Lynch left off. Lynch the fourth. Sorry. And Zach Greinke was brought back from the 15-day IL. I forgot what he had specifically, but he's back. He pitched on Thursday. He just pitched yesterday. Went four innings, gave up two earned runs. Just kind of whatever. And um, that's about it. And in exchange, uh, Max Castillo was sent down to AAA Omaha. No strong feelings there. I think that's kind of Max Castillo's role. He's just going to be like a quadruple-A depth guy. He'll come up whenever some innings need to be thrown on any given day. So that's what he did, and now he's back down at Omaha. So we'll see him again in a couple of weeks, I guess. So let's talk about that that um, series against the Tigers, a four-game series against the Detroit Tigers. Well, unsurprisingly, the Royals lost three of four, so their record is now 28-70. and 70. I don't think in my lifetime I've ever seen a team reach 70 losses before 30 wins. That's sad. Like, what was Baltimore at when they lost 115 a few years ago? Uh, what were they at? When did they get to 70 wins? Or 70, uh, they didn't. They never got to 70 wins. Okay, they were, uh, b- b- they went 28 and 70. So we're, we're right on there. We're right on Baltimore's pace. The 2018 Baltimore Orioles who lost 115 games. Yay. How about the 110 loss Diamondbacks? How'd they do? Oh, they actually, so they got, they got, they got their 30th win on July 21st, <laughs> which is today <laughs> because they actually had a four game winning streak. In fact, this team actually, the, 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 the Diamondbacks that lost 110 games actually started 15 and 13. That's really funny. Oh, I never say never. Maybe the Royals will have like a 15 and 13 stretch at the end of the season and only lose 110 games. Woo! Anyway, what was I talking about? Uh, individual games. So things I have written down uh, on Monday. Royals lost two to three. And um, of course, Jordan Lyles pitched a good game and lost. <laughs> like whenever Jordan Lyles pitches well, he's just not allowed to win. This man cannot win games. So it's sometimes it seems like it's his fault, like he's allergic to winning. But then sometimes I I think winning just hates Jordan Lyles. It, it it's just like a law of nature that he cannot win games. He went six scoreless innings. That's it. Period. End of end of statement. He did great. It, sure, it's the Detroit lineup, but like this is what we would expect from Jordan Lyles. He's going to look good against really bad lineups. So he did his job. And then Taylor Clark came in, pitched two outs and gave up three earned runs one of those runs was a or maybe even a couple of those runs yeah two of them were given up by a bases loaded double from uh jose quas in fact actually i want to believe that quas inherited the bases loaded and then walked in a run i actually think that's what happened um it was it was so bad like i i can't fault Q for this too much because it's not like he has options 
but oh my god, high leverage situations. Literally top two players I do not want to see right now. In in, in no specific order. Number one, Taylor Clark. Number two, Jose Quas. Although I feel like like Quas has literally proven to be a not a good pitcher in high leverage situations. So even even if the the option outside of Clark is like Nick Whitgren or someone who's not actually going to help all that much, but I, I feel like I would rather take my chances with that guy than Quas. Or who who else do we have in this bullpen? I, we, we, we've, been moving, we've been moving so many pitchers around that I actually don't know who's in our bullpen anymore. I think Jonathan Heasley's still here. Dylan Coleman's still here, right? I think. Uh, who else? I mean, Cena Anders was around, but I think he had already pitched, or maybe they wanted to use him later on. I don't entirely know. I mean, look. Let's be clear. Winning and losing, it doesn't matter at this point. Nothing matters. In fact, I'm just, like, splitting hairs about, you know, stuff that doesn't matter in general. Like, who cares who Q sends in in any given inning anymore? Everyone sucks and is bad. Except maybe C-Nanners. Like, we want Carlos Hernandez to be the uh, the closer of the future. Like, that that's a, that's a legit possibility. So, he should, I think, be saved for late innings just so he can have those opportunities. But I, I don't know. It's whatever. I, I just wanted to comment on the hilarity of Jordan Lyles, you know, pitching one of his better games this season and losing. Although at least he wasn't credited with the loss. So he he retains his uh his lead with a 1-11 <laughs> record. He has the most losses in baseball right now. I actually want to know, like, what's the leaderboard for losses? So it's, okay, so it's Lyles with 11. And then tied for second place is Patrick Corbin, Kyle Freeland, Johan Ovledo of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Never heard of this dude. He has a 4.53 ERA, but a 3-10 record. That's unfair. He does not deserve that. Um, and also Zach Greinke <laughs> with 10 losses. So that's that. Those are the guys in second place. Funny enough, I guess tied for third place or sixth place, depending on how you look at it, Sandy Alcantara. <laughs> how did that happen? What's wrong with this man? What happened to him? Anyway, so at least Jordan Lyles doesn't pull further ahead of the of the loss uh, global ranked leaderboard, the ranked ladder. But some uh, some decent stuff happened at least. You know, like like start, starting pitching, I think, is more important than the bullpen. Like the bullpen, it is what it is. It's the least important part of a team, in in my opinion. Like if we're going to separate. A, a roster into three segments: starting pitching, hitting, and bullpen. Those are those are that's the priority of how of important to least important. Starting pitching is the most important thing. The lineup's the second most important thing. The bullpen is like the third most important thing. Like it doesn't matter if we have a, a bad bullpen or a good bullpen right now. It's it's going to add a couple of losses or a good one would add a couple of wins, but that's meaningless right now. Like you should you should really care about your bullpen when you're actually a competitive team when you're winning like. 85 wins in a season because then a good bullpen is going to get you to 90 wins or if you're already there it's going to get you to 95 wins and and so on it's like that final piece that a competitive team really needs right now we need starting pitching so we had that on that day so that's good and we had a little bit of a lineup not too much we only scored two runs but hey Freddie Fermin is balling this man is balling he went three for four love that for him Nick Prado who were you know I'm we're, I'm, we're like watching with hawk eyes right now, making notes of everything he does. He went one for three with a walk. 
So he had a decent game. He did strike out twice, which I don't like, but he at least did a couple of things right. And MJ Melendez also went one for three with a walk, but didn't strike out at all. So that's really good right there. So it was a, it was a pretty slow game on offense. But who were we, who were we pit playing? Um, who was like the pitcher? Matt Manning. I mean, we went we went up against a pretty decent pitcher for for what it's worth. It was just kind of one of those games. I think not a game that you know pissed me off or anything. It just kind of happened. Then Tuesday, Tuesday we got a win. Royals won eleven to ten. This was a this was a, a barn burner of a game, I suppose. Daniel Lynch the fourth. Pitched five innings and gave up five earned runs off of two home runs. I feel like this might have been a little bit of retribution or revenge because I, 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 I every now and then kind of bring up Spencer Torkelson as like a comparison for what Bobby Witt Jr. could have been in a negative way. Because like when people were complaining about Bobby Witt Jr., you know, second overall pick, top prospect in baseball, but then he's not doing too well at the major league level. I'm like, okay, guys, like I, I get it. He's not J-Rod. He's not Adley right now. But he's also not Spencer Torkelson, who is just terrible. He was drafted first overall and didn't even have a position. He was expected to be maybe a first baseman, but mostly a DH kind of guy. Like He was drafted first overall simply because he could hit that well. And he's in the major leagues and is not a very good hitter. So, what the hell? <laughs> Talk about a scam, right? I mean, he's probably going to figure it out at some point, but I feel like this game, well, he, he he heard me talking shit and wanted to get one on me because he hit a triple and a home run. So, in fact, oh, wait, he actually hit a double too, didn't he? I think. No, I'm, I'm dumb. He hit a double and two home runs. So, yeah, those are, those are the five earned runs that uh, <laughs> Daniel Lynch just uh, gave up. Two-run home run, three-run home run. Joke's on me, I guess. But, hey, we scored more than they did, so that's great. Michael Garcia had a two-hit game, drove in two himself, so that's awesome. Went two for four. Freddie Fermin is balling, once again, two for three with a walk, and drove in an RBI. Well, he don't drive in RBIs, but he got an RBI. Whatever, doesn't matter. Edward Olivares, who, like I said, I felt like was kind of hitting well this series, two for three with two ribbies himself. And then the biggest one of the night, the big story kind of of this week, is that Dyron Blanco almost hit for the cycle. Dyron freaking Blanco. He went four for four with three RBIs. He needed a home run for the cycle. And he hit it. He His last hit went off the wall. Like, I swear, I'm usually not one to like, you know, I, I'm not one of those people who, you know, I see a ball hit and I just like immediately jump up like, oh, he crushed that one, you know, and, and then it's like a, a can of corn to right field. But this one did kind of get a reaction out of me. This was the one where I did kind of jump up and I'm like, no, fuck, no way, dude, no freaking way. And then it went off the wall and I'm just like, oh, come on. <laughs> I wanted that so badly for him. It was really fun, though. It was really exciting. I mean, still, still, still a great hit, great game from him. Well, we'd really love to see that. Who would have thought that Dyron Blanco would be, like, the closest Royals player to hit for the cycle in the last, like, 10 years or so? I don't know. And, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty fun game for the most part, except for the ninth inning. The ninth inning happened, and Scott Barlow came out. And we're thinking, okay, Scott Barlow, it's great. We're going to have a great time. Scott Barlow walks three batters. 
and gives up three hits in the inning. He gives up four earned runs, but at least gets the save. Well, he doesn't. No, he doesn't even get the save because he came in with a five-run lead. So that's not even a save situation. He almost made it a save situation for himself. If someone else came in, then it would have been a save situation. But no, uh, Scott Barlow was just super bad for some reason. Why can't I just enjoy something for one day? Why can't I enjoy Scott Barlow? This really is going to be like the biggest trade blunder the Royals have made in the last few years where Scott Barlow was legitimately a top five reliever in baseball for two consecutive seasons and then he wasn't traded and now his ERA is 4.89. Wonderful freaking job, Royals. Way to waste that. In fact, I'm actually even, believe it, this might be crazy, but I'm starting to second-guess the Royals' intentions to, to trade Scott Barlow. Like, what if they don't trade Scott Barlow because they're like, well, his ERA is too high, so we're not going to get a good return on him. We're just going to hold on to him and try again next year. Like, I know that's stupid, but I feel like the Royals really would do that. I, I, I feel like they would. But we'll just have to see. But at least the Royals won. Um, and then Wednesday... Royals lost two to three again, and uh, this was this was a game where I feel like it could have been a lot better if not for the fact that Carlos Hernandez came in, tossed a hundred mile an hour meatball right to Miguel Cabrera. Like, look, come on, dude. I know that Miggy sucks now, but it's not like he for completely. It's not like he completely forgot to hit. That was a, that was an easy pitch for him. That drove in a run that ended up being the game winner. So that happened um but if not for that i would have said it was like a, a pretty acceptable game because the royals went up against a really really good pitcher he went up against eduardo rodriguez who for some reason is like a, a cy young candidate this season and he went seven innings gave up two earned runs like frankly that's about the best i can ask of a team when faced with a pitcher like that and then ryan yarbrough ryan goddamn yarbrough Pitched 5.2, gave up three, although one of those was that Carlos Hernandez single, so can't even blame him too much for that. I think he just kind of did his job. If nothing else, that's what we kind of expect from Ryan Yarbrough. So, yeah, but I think this was also the the Javi Baez game. I think this was also retribution because sometimes I I talk smack about Javi Baez. Because I said, uh, yeah, like I made fun of him on the podcast when I was previewing the Tigers. I'm like, oh, yeah. The, the Tigers lineup is Javi Baez and is 60 OPS plus. Everyone else is just marginally better. And then he goes in this game and, like, takes a walk somehow. Javi Baez literally never takes a walk. And then he homers. He had, like, a, like a super good series just in general. Like, he really came into Kansas City with a freaking vengeance. He, he was out for blood. This guy wanted to kill me. Joke's on him. I'm already dead inside. But in any case, uh, some things I, some other things to shout out is that Michael Massey and Kyle Isbell both ripped some doubles. In fact, Michael Massey, no, sorry, it wasn't Michael Massey. Michael Massey got on base twice. He uh, he got that double and he also walked, so that's cool. But it was Drew Waters who actually had a two-hit game, so we like to see that. Other than that, not really anything worth talking about. Max Castillo pitched three scoreless innings, so good for him. And then the Royals lost on Thursday by a score of 0-3. to three. Nothing happened in this game. Nothing at all. It was boring and it sucked. Actually, wait. On Wednesday, I remember that Kyle Isbell struck out looking. 
or I don't know if he struck out looking at strike. He struck out in the bottom of the ninth with a guy on third. So there was an opportunity to come back on that Wednesday game, and unfortunately it didn't happen. So I felt like it would it was only fair to <laughs> mention that since I was complimenting Kyle Isbell. Sorry, Kyle Isbell sucks, actually. Which actually, it's a, like a, a small point I should bring up because I was not really arguing, but kind of mentioning someone on uh, talking to someone on Twitter about it, where like I don't know, I feel like someone was complaining about Kyle Isbell being in the lineup so much, but I'm I've been saying this entire season, Kyle Isbell needs to be in the lineup as much as possible. I understand that he sucks. I'm not even defending him, but I am saying that this is the season where Kyle Isbell needs to do something. Or not. If he doesn't do anything, then we're going to go into next year thinking, okay, Kyle Isbell is not the solution. Kyle Isbell is not going to be in the plans for the Royals moving forward because this guy isn't hitting enough. He is not a starting, everyday MLB player. But this is the season where that really needs to be confirmed for sure because the last couple of years, the Royals have really screwed around with this guy by just simply benching him for way too long, not using him all that often. Granted, this year he has been bitten by injuries. He, he has spent a lot of time on the IL. But, I mean, it, 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 no matter what, it's his third year in the majors so far. He's already 26. It's, it's time to go. If Kyle Isbell is going to be anybody, we need to see it happen. So I'm going to defend Kyle Isbell being in the lineup. I'm, I might not necessarily defend him being in like the leadoff spot or anything, but I do think Kyle Isbell should be played as much as possible. I know he's not playing well right now. I'm not at all saying he is. I'm just saying we also can't really just, you know, just d- decide right now, okay, Kyle Isbell isn't good, and then bench him for, like, the rest of the season. Like, just pl- let, it, let this play out. If he improves, then great. If he doesn't, then, all right, we need to go into next year with a different guy. It doesn't matter if he keeps playing this season and sucks because everything already sucks. Stop worrying about winning strategies. We are not a team that can afford such a luxury right now. All right. Man, that actually took a lot longer than I expected. I said I wasn't going to talk about the Royals that much. and said I talked about them for like 30 minutes. Okay, whatever. So I want to talk about this, uh, an- an- uh, what is it, awful announcing ranking. I'll have the article linked in the in the description, in the show notes, whatever you want to call it, if you want to f- see it for yourself. Um, yeah, and these guys, this website, it you know, it opens up like a poll to have everybody rank MLB broadcast booths. For each local MLB team, although for whatever reason they didn't do it for the last few years, I, I, I remember reading this like every year, and they haven't done it since 2019. So I don't know, but whatever. Thought it would just be interesting to kind of shout out. And it, look, this isn't all that serious of a ranking because you know it's like a popular vote sort of thing. And the article itself mentions that there's you know lots of bias because it's like a lot of teams that are at the bottom are just bad teams in general, and like the Yankees, I think, are in the bottom five where were the Yankees the Yankees were like yeah Yankees were 24th and so uh the comment that they left on it was that uh they didn't stuff the ballot box this year which was something that apparently they did a lot in the past and uh yeah a bit for better or for worse a team like the Yankees will always generate extreme reactions which exp- which helps explain their overly high percentage of a or f votes so yeah their most common grade was a b but they're ranked 20 24th so they have one of the worst booths apparently because they're the Yankees. They're struggling. They're really bad this season. There are only like two games above 500. Oh, oh no. <laughs> How sad. 
And so people, you know, will turn on anybody who works for the Yankees. I would hate to be someone who works for the Yankees right now because I feel like some some of those guys need like witness protection or something. Uh, they need they need to be granted asylum. So yeah, some people are, you know, mad at Michael K for saying stuff that people don't agree with. Whatever. Anyway, so what really interested me is that on Twitter this website, Awful Announcing, they posted the, the top five and the bottom five. The top five were the Giants at number one, Mets at number two, Padres at number three. Those two make a lot of sense. You always hear really, really good things about the Mets and Padres boots. Number four is the Blue Jays, and number five is the Dodgers, another team that is you know always great at having a commentary. Um, interestingly... I was wondering, like, where the Mariners were. Okay, the Mariners are eighth. I really like the Mariners booth. I think that the Mariners have, like, the best baseball broadcasting, which, like, everything they do over there is just fantastic. The camera work is great. The commentary is really great. So if I could pick one, that would be mine. Um, I don't have, like, strong feelings about visiting announcers. I, I do listen to them whenever we're on the road. I'll often just, like, tune into the, you know, home announcer for that game or whatever. So I am, am, am at least a little bit familiar with some of them. Especially uh, one of them that was ranked towards the bottom. Actually, yeah, the bottom team was the Tigers. And man, the Tigers have this old guy in their booth that's just the driest person ever. Like, think of Denny Matthews, okay? you you We all know Denny Matthews. We know what he sounds like. Take that guy, take the oldness of that guy, but remove the the, the old charm, the, char- the charisma, the the wit, the sense of humor, all that stuff that makes Denny who he is, and then you get whoever the hell they've got in the Tigers booth. It is dry. So that's that was the that was the worst ranked one on this. Didn't surprise me. 29th is the Oakland Athletics, which actually surprised me. I thought there was like a popular barstool guy who worked for them, but whatever. I don't know. I, I haven't really listened to them. I do remember there was that the guy that got fired because he said a slur, and you know I kind of commented on that. It, it was a it was a total accident. I felt like that was a bit extreme, but whatever. Twenty uh, eighth is Nationals. Twenty seventh is the Rockies, and then the twenty sixth is the Cardinals. Which I I always hear really mixed things about the Cardinals booth. I always I often hear some people say it's one of the best, and then some people say it's one of the worst. So those were the bottom five that they uh posted on Twitter, and that really got me interested, because I'm like, huh, I wonder where the Royals are. You know where they are? 25th! (laughs) Bottom six, baby! Which is actually, funny enough, lower than where they have normally ranked. They've kind of been all over the place. So in 2014, they were ranked 18th. In 2016, they were ranked 20th. 2017, they were ranked 12th. 2018, ranked 25th. And then 2019, ranked 22nd. So they're back down to 2018 rankings, 25th. I feel like it's a little bit disrespectful, though. You know, how, how, how did they go down from 2019? They got rid of, they got rid of Steve Fiziak. That's an immediate improvement. Although, uh, like, kind of the reason why I wanted to bring this up in general is because I don't know how, how y'all would feel about this, but I do think that the commentary booth has been under greater scrutiny this season than past seasons. My, If you heard a weird noise, that was my cat hawking a loogie or something. Um, like, I mean, Royals fans, we've always, you know, scrutinized what Rex Hudler will say in particular. And look, I get it. 
Rex can say some really <laughs> silly stuff. I, I appreciate him, though. I personally love... I, I like Rex Hudler. I enjoy him. I do not take him very seriously, though. That's the, that's the key to enjoying Rex Hudler. You cannot take him all that seriously. But, you know, I will say that this year... I wouldn't say he's gotten on my nerves, but I feel like... I, maybe this is how everybody else feels. Maybe this is why the Royals have a lower ranking. But it's like the positivity that Rex Hudler exudes just feels much more artificial than usual. And I don't know how how often it's fate. But we, we know that the Royals commentators, they're going to make the Royals sound good no matter what. Like I was kind of uh, arguing a little bit with, I think it was Jordan Foote of One, War, War, One Royal Way. Because they were talking about Jordan Lyles. And they were saying basically how Jordan Lyles wasn't as bad of a pitcher as, you know, like the the six and a half ERA at, he had at the time would indicate. And he was saying that that was like completely bogus. Jordan Lyles is a bad pitcher. But I'm like, you know what? I actually don't think it's unfair for them to say that because and like I'm not saying Jordan Lyles is a good pitcher, but nothing about him has suggested that he should be a six to seven ERA pitcher. That's what that's what I've always been trying to say. But anyway, back to Rex Hudler. You know, I, I feel like there's always, like, a, like every single game, something good will happen, and then Rex will make it out to be a really big deal. Like, a, a, a player will get called up and play their first game in the big leagues, and then he'll be like, oh, this, this player right here, he's going to be a big difference maker for this ball club. You watch. And I'm like, Rex, I love you, but you can't say that about everybody. <laughs> That's my thing. It's not even that I'm like mad that the that he's positive or that the Royals are positive because again, we have to we have to understand that that's just what they do. Like that's that's just their jobs for better or for worse. I feel like there's no point in just getting upset about that really. But then there's Rex Hudler who, you know, will just do that for every single thing. Every good thing that happens for the Royals, he, like, has to sell it as a turning point. Like, oh, things are going to get better right here. Oh, this, se- this season is going to get a lot better. Or, or, and, th- and, and this guy is going to be a big difference maker. And it's like, you, you can't do that every time, dude, because it just doesn't work that way. And it gets really irritating after a while. Felt like commenting on that a little bit. It was just a, kind of a funny thing that uh, I saw throughout the week. So the other thing that I wanted to bring up that the Royals have done recently is they uh they did their yearly charity sort of thing, which you know is one of those things that <laughs> I'm I'm just a mere man. I'm a mortal. I am not made of money. It's one of those things I just watch, and it's like okay, good for you guys. They the Royals do this every year. They have these uh they have these like VIP experiences. Recall them what you will, and then you get to you get to bid on them. And usually the highest bid goes for like ten grand on each of them. But then all the money they make from this auction, it goes to charity. At least I assume it's all of it. I hope it's all of it. <laughs> um, so it, you know, it's it goes for a good cause. And uh, I actually had the thing. It said, yeah, they raised one hundred forty thousand dollars, one hundred forty thousand five hundred seventy-five dollars from this charity. So that's pretty cool. Um, but of course, like all the stuff that they advertise, you know, the, the cool fancy stuff where you get to like, I don't know, do something with a with a player. That stuff costs thousands of dollars. Although I don't know if this is new or not, but uh, they did have some other things where it's like if you donated a hundred dollars, you would get like a randomly signed ball. 
something. Yeah, donate $100 to win a mystery prize from the Kansas City Royals. There are only 150 available prizes. Not entirely sure what that means. And uh, I wanted to think that I could try that. Like, that, that's, a, that's something I can afford. That's something that, you know, an ordinary person can afford. But knowing my luck, I get, like, a, 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 um, a Colin Snyder signed baseball. You Just something pointless. Just, just like, come on. <laughs> like, it's not necessarily that I'm trying to get something valuable or anything. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm buying something. But I at least, I at least want to get something from a player that I would remember positively in a few years. Even if it's, like, MJ Melendez. At least at one point I was excited to watch MJ Melendez play. Anyway, I want to look at the actual, the, the 10 VIP packages or whatever that they had. Because I thought these might be interesting. So the first one is Spring Training Trip for Two. So what's this? You are headed to Surprise, Arizona for spring training with the Royals. The trip for two includes airfare and hotel accommodations plus game tickets, date to be mutually agreed upon. You and your guests will VIP will get VIP treatment with a behind-the-scenes access to the Royals facility. Our home away from... Our home away from home will be your home away from home in the Valley of the Sun. Prepare accordingly, although it's dry heat. So the package is two spring training tickets, hotel and flight accommodations behind the scenes in the access to the Royals facility, and then, of course, spring training game tickets. That went for $8,000. You know, I feel like that's kind of a ripoff. Like, I mean, going to spring training wouldn't be that difficult. You can just go. Just fly out to Arizona and go. It would just be like any other vacation. So it's kind of like you're maybe... I'm going to be really generous and say just getting a hotel and flight to Arizona would cost like $1,000. I feel like that's super, super generous to, you know, have have lot, have your flight and have your lodging and all that stuff taken care of. And then the extra seven grand is just, I don't know, behind the scenes in the spring training facility. What do they? What do you even do there? What do they got over there? Something about that is a, uh, I don't know, not very exciting. But someone must have really wanted to do that because they spent eight thousand dollars on it. So good for them. Congrats. You know, I, I was bringing this. I mentioned this earlier um, when I first talked about this. But I felt I feel like there was less drama about the uh, the the auction during the game during the that deadline game because I feel like in the past they would have you know all of the bids for the VIP stuff on a board and they keep showing it throughout the game and then all of the bids would be like one guy. <laughs> It'd be simply like one person has the top bid on everything and it's like some guy from Overland Park or Lenexa or something like that. <laughs> you know, I, feel, I, I have kind of rose-tinted glasses about that. I kind of miss something about that because it, it, was, it was just kind of funny to see just like one guy just show off in front of all of us peasants. <laughs> So the other one, next one, broadcast booth. So from the field to the booth, you'll be right there behind the scenes before a Royals TV broadcast. This one of a kind tag along includes two Diamond Club tickets and a premium parking pass to a mutually agreed upon home game. You and your guests will start the evening watching batting practice on the field with none other than Rex Hudler. You'll also enjoy a pregame visit to the TV broadcast booth and dinner with Rex and Ryan Lefebvre, all in full color and high definition. So it's two Diamond Club tickets and a premium parking pass. First class tour of pregame with Rex Hudler and broadcasters. Hudler in this instance is spelled with two D's. (laughs) 
pregame tour of the broadcasting suite, pregame batting practice with Rex Huddler, and dinner for two in a suite with Rex Huddler and Ryan Lefevre. That sounds kind of fun. This went for 5150 that sounds way more fun than the spring training thing. I wouldn't mind doing that. I would I would actually love to meet Rex Hudler. I, I feel like Rex Hudler would be a lot of fun to talk to. And I think Rex would be pretty fun to talk to as well. I would I would I would actually love to meet the broadcasters more than the players. Because I don't really know the players all that well. I at least can understand who who the broadcasters are as people. Because, you know, we hear them talk all the time. That would be pretty fun. Although I think it's fun kind of funny that the uh the thing, it says, batting practice with Rex Hudler, but then above it says, you're watching batting practice. You are, you are not taking batting practice with Rex Hudler. Although, if that were the case, if you could take batting practice with Rex Hudler before a game, I feel like the value of this would, would shoot way up. I feel like there was, a, there was a bit of a miss right there, but maybe I can understand if they don't want these things to get in the way of actual games. Because, you know, Royals games, very important right now. All right, so here's one that I saw lots of people making fun of. Uh, <laughs> John Sherman game day experience. What in the hell is this one? Th this is why I wanted to do this. I'm like, what in the world does that mean? You are going straight to the top. It's you and Royals chairman, CEO, John Sherman for happy hour at the K in his suite before a ball game. This package also includes four Diamond Club tickets and two premium parking passes. Why do you need two of them? Whatever. Go in one car. Have you ever heard of carpool? Rich people. That's that. Rich people don't carpool. They can afford their own gas. <laughs> this pack. Uh. Okay. So uh, get the inside scoop from the most inside of Royals insiders. That's all it is. Happy hour with John Sherman for four in the owner's suite before a game. Four Diamond Club tickets and two premium parking passes. That's all it is. You get maybe like an hour long conversation with John Sherman. So you can ask him why uh, Kyle Isbell is batting leadoff, if you so desire. You can uh, interrogate him on his intentions to move the Royals outside of Kansas City. Get all that uh, evil insider info that he's hiding from us, apparently. <laughs> Winning bid, $5,000. I really want to know who did that. Who, who won that? that does, that's actually like a really good value, if you think about it. I mean, if you're splitting it with four people... Then yeah, like each person just pays about just pays twelve fifty. That's not too bad. Why not? I'd try that if I had twelve fifty lying around right now. We so, so, some of us should like pool this together and, and get one of these. Let's 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 make let's let's get in a bidding war next season. <laughs> get Royal Deluxe on uh <laughs> some of these auctions, or I don't know, just share around this podcast so I can make money off of it. <laughs> Get me to uh, 1 billion listens, and then I'll be able to afford these auctions. All right, the next one is The Everything. Welcome to the club experience. You'll have yours with everything. This experience is piled high for with all of fixins. It starts with four field passes to watch batting practice, followed by a meet and greet with a couple of Royals players. Does it specify? Get your arm ready because you'll also be throwing out our ceremonial first pitch. But wait, there's more. You and two others are suiting up for the Kauffman Stadium Hot Dog Derby. <laughs> okay. Mustard, relish, and ketchup are merely the foundation because we top it all off with a Kauffman Stadium suite for 20 guests. This package is for a mutually agreed upon date with the 2024 season and includes... Okay, so batting practice for four. You watch batting practice. And a meet and greet 
for four with Bobby Wood Jr. and Salvi after batting practice. Okay, so they do mention the players. That's good. It's good that they don't, like, scam you. Like, oh, we're going to have you meet two players. And then it's, like, <laughs> Jackson Kowar and uh, Kyle Isbell. I, I just keep mentioning Kyle Isbell. I'm, so, I'm sorry, Kyle Isbell. This is unfair to you. He does not deserve this smoke. First pitch for one, sweet for 20, three contestants in the hot dog derby race. Requirements. All participants must be the same gender. What? Why? What? We're, we're, we're gender segregating the hot dog races? What's the deal with that? <laughs> At least 18 years of age and between 5 foot 6 and 6 foot 4. <laughs> no no dwarfs allowed in the hot dog race. Damn. Oh, that one's actually more understandable because the, the suits are only a specific size, I assume, or a general size. But still. Winning bid went for $10,500. So... But then once again, you know, you're sharing that with like 20 people, or at least a few people. Some the, the kingpin gets to throw out the first pitch. That's the thing. That's that's pretty fun. That's a cool little idea. All right, Kaufman Stadium golf experience. Golf. We're gonna go golfing. You'll take the links of Kaufman Stadium with Alex Gordon and George Brett as your tee time parking. Okay, so they I, they talked about this one on the broadcast. They were like really hammering this one. So um. The tee boxes will be the warning track behind home plate with a large, beautiful fairway before you. No rough, no sand traps, but perhaps some water will in fact be in play. It's a one-hole course, but in this case, who needs more? One, this package includes one hour of golf for two with Alex Gordon and George Brett at Kauffman Stadium on September 12th, 2023. Yeah, that's, that's pretty fun, actually. That's like a cool little experience. Um, I have no interest in golfing whatsoever. I think that's pretty uh, boring and lame. But, you know, this is like one of those things that I would love to do if I ever had a chance to meet with a celebrity. I don't I don't like meet and greets. You know, I don't like kind of going into a meet and greet and like, you know, saying hi to a person or whatever. Because it's like, it, I don't know, there's something so fake and awkward about it to me. And I'm just too anxious for that kind of stuff. You know what I would love to do with a celebrity? An actual thing. Like, sure, I'll play golfing. I'll play I'll play golfing. I'll golf with them for a bit because at least, you know, I don't have to worry about talking to them so much. I can just play golf. And it's like, all right, we're doing a thing. We're doing a practical thing instead of having a, a fake conversation about nothing. That's cool. So that went for $10,000. That's actually surprising. Damn, that went for almost as much as the, the hot dog derby uh, sweepstakes. All right, so 107 is Alex Gordon. For You can bid on uh, having Alex Gordon. Uh, so it's known as one of the largest breweries in Kansas City. You'll, you will now have access to the opportunity to have VIP access to the Boulevard Brewing Facility. If that wasn't already cool enough, you and three guests will be accompanied by World Series champion Alex Gordon. You will have the opportunity to see exclusive areas of the brewery while mingling with the 2015 World Series Game 1 hero. This will take place in the 2023 offseason on a mutually agreed upon date between the winner, Alex Gordon, and Boulevard Brewery. So that's what it is. You toured Boulevard with Gordo. See, th th this is what I'm talking about. I wouldn't really want to do this because... I feel like that would be more conversational. I'm I'm too anxious for that. Plus, I'm not really that interested in beer, especially least of all Boulevard. So, I mean, I don't know. Cool if you are into that. That went for $4,925. Looks like it was the least expensive of these. But that's all right. 
All right, 115 is Hall of Fame. The Royals Hall of Fame weekend experience will be your opportunity to meet the Royals legends of the past. The weekend will start off with you and a guest attending the Royals Hall of Fame dinner on August 31st, 2023. Two days later, on September 2nd, before the Royals home game against the Boston Red Sox, you will have the opportunity to walk out the powder blue Hall of Fame jacket on the field that will be presented to Ned Yost. Oh, wait, that is so cool, dude. No, that rules. Oh, man, I would love to do that because I freaking love Ned Yost. That would be such an honor. I, I didn't even realize the Royals were doing this. I totally forgot about that. I mean, I knew no, I knew Yost was getting into the Hall of Fame, but I didn't even realize that they had like a Hall of they had like a Ned Yost day planned. That's super cool. Included in this experience will be four Diamond Club tickets plus a parking pass to the September 2nd, 2023 Royals home game. Not a premium parking pass. You just got a regular parking pass. You, your ass is walking from lot G to the game. Two seats at the Thursday, August 31st, 2023 Hall of Fame dinner. Opportunity to walk out Ned Yost's Hall of Fame jacket during his pregame recognition of the September 2nd, 2023 Royals home game. Oh, man, I need to go to that game. When is that? Is that on a sun? Please tell me that's on a Sunday. September 2nd. It's on a Saturday. Damn it. I have to work. I can't go. Royals, why didn't you just schedule it on a Saturday? I know why they scheduled it on a Saturday, because that's the busy day. Man, damn it. I'm mad now. I really wanted to. I mean, I, I at least want to see that. That's awesome. Winning bid, $7,000. That's the best one of this. This, these, this. this one's my favorite one. Big leaguer for the day. Whoa. This one for 18000 Holy crap. You and three friends will have the opportunity to be... Wait, does this... Please tell me this means you get to be added to the 40-man roster. <laughs> I know that's not what it's going to mean, but I'm just like thinking, big leaguer for a day. You get to play with the Royals because they're so bad they will just bring in anybody. <laughs> All right, you and three friends will have the opportunity to experience what it's like to be a big leaguer for a day on September 1st, 2023. Included in this package will be hands-on instruction from Mike Sweeney, Jeff Montgomery, Rex Hudler, and Joel Goldberg in a variety of pregame activities. Whoa, bringing out the big guns for this. You will begin the day with mock pregame interviews conducted by Joel Goldberg. Following interviews, you will hit the field and run through a array of, run through a full array of pregame fielding, hitting, pitching, etc. We forgot to mention you will be in a full Royals uniform. <laughs> Alright, I'm not gonna lie. This is pretty sick. <laughs> like you like you literally get to cosplay as a baseball player and actually do stuff like like a player. Like you get to take practice drills. That's actually pretty freaking cool, not gonna lie. Maybe this may you know what? Maybe this is actually a secret tryout. Maybe they're hoping that someone will pay for this and they'll be like athletic enough to maybe to maybe pose as a big leaguer for a little bit. And then after the, after this uh little thing that they're doing, they're like, Hey, you wanna actually play for the Royals for a little bit? We'll probably have to send you down to like double A for a bit, but you could you could be a baseball player. <laughs> they wouldn't do that, but still. They're that bad. They need that many people. Along with this experience, you'll be given four Diamond Club tickets plus two premium parking passes. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so four head-to-toe Royals uniforms, mock interviews with Joel Goldberg, on-field batting practice, fielding, pitching, etc. Four Diamond Club tickets plus two premium parking passes. Tour of the Royals clubhouse with an opportunity to meet Royals players and sit down with Royals manager Matt Quattrero and the manager's office. Man. That's crazy. When is this going to happen? Is this 
Oh, it's September 1st. Yeah. So I was wondering if this was going to be, like, next season. Because <laughs> I, I was actually wondering, like, what if they have this scheduled for next season, but, like, man, but like Hugh doesn't come back? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I think Hugh comes back next season, but still. <laughs> it would be really awkward. Man, you get to mate. You get to meet manager Q. I wonder what that would be like. You get to ask him like, uh, "Why are you putting Jose Quas in high leverage situ- situations?" <laughs> that went for eighteen thousand seven hundred dollars. Nice, but that is pretty cool. That's a that's a pretty cool little uh, package. All right, City Connect. Salvi is your fashion connection. The Royals' lucky 13 will have you dressed to the nines with his very own game-worn City Connect jersey, pants, batting helmet, mask, chest protector, and two shin guards. That's eight. Plus a bat, a pair of batting gloves, and cleats. That's five more. So that's what this is. Salvador Perez, game-worn City Connect jersey, pants, batting helmet, catching mask, chest protector, shin guards, signed bat, batting gloves, cleats. All City Connect. Cool. Interesting. That's all right. It's like whatever, but they went for $14,600. Damn. I don't know if I would uh, pay that much for all that, but that's cool, I guess. And then the last one. This one, Oh, my God. This went for 40000 What? Bo Jackson. Someone bought Bo, Bo Jackson for $40,000. Get a legendary memorabilia package signed by Royals legend Bo Jackson. But Bo didn't just play baseball, so why would we only give you signed baseball gear? You'll get not only signed a signed Royals helmet, jersey, and bat in one piece this time. <laughs> I, that, that's funny. But also a signed Raiders jersey, helmet, and football. It's a one-of-a-kind collection from a truly one-of-a-kind player. So it's a signed baseball, football, bat, Royals helmet, Raiders helmet, Royals jersey, Raiders jersey. The, probably the only acceptable time to have a, a Raiders jersey <laughs> in this city. You know, personally, I would want Bo Jackson to sign the bat and then snap it over his knee. I think that would make it way cooler. I would prefer that. This one for forty grand. Jesus. Someone uh, really likes Bo Jackson out there, but more power to them, I suppose. So those are all the Royals auction items for this year. That was that was that was pretty fun. Not a whole lot of stuff that I'm all that that would I would personally be all that into, really. The one that I really liked from years past that I guess I didn't really do this year. I don't think this one was a very popular one for whatever reason. But it was like you you play you would play Mario Kart with with the, some of the the players on on Crown Vision. That was something that I always thought was really fun. I would love to do that. I don't know. Maybe maybe the people bidding on this are too boring to appreciate that. They would rather uh, tour the boulevard, <laughs> the boulevard building with Alex Gordon. <laughs> I mean, hey, who am I to judge these people? They're all they're a lot richer than me, and they're probably having more fun than me in my life. Look at me! Look how boring I am. All I've got is this podcast on the internet for weirdos who watch Royals games. Why are you here? There's something wrong with you. Anyway, there's one last thing we got to talk about before. Um, we go, and that would be the upcoming series against the New York Yankees. But first, I got to add something to the show. And we're back. Thank you very much for your patience. So, we're gonna, I'm going to try making this one pretty quick. We've got a three-game series against the New York Yankees in Yankee Stadium. The Yankees, I actually forgot what their record is right now. Uh, they're 15-47, which is not bad. Except they're last place in the American League East. But if they played in the American League Central, they'd be winning the division by half a game. So, that's funny. 
And of course, because they're, you know, not immediately winning the World Series right now, lots of Yankees fans are extremely upset about that. Although, for what it's worth, the Yankees really haven't been looking very pretty so far this season, especially on the offensive side. There you have, they have a team-weighted runs created plus of 94, which is 21st in baseball. But here's the thing. They don't have Aaron Judge right now. In fact, they're not even sure when Aaron Judge is going to come back. And this lineup is down abysmal without Aaron Judge. There, there are only two batters in their lineup right now like active players who have a weighted runs who have an OPS plus above 100. Those are Glaber Torres and Anthony Rizzo. And I've heard that Anthony Rizzo for the last like 50 games has just been dog water. So even that isn't going very well. Maybe there's another guy, Billy McKinney. Billy McKinney with a 102 OPS plus even though he has a sub 300 on base percentage, whatever. So yeah, their lineup is a uh, not looking good right now, especially without Judge. They're pitching for what it's worth is getting the job done, though. They're 10th in ERA as a team, but it's their uh, rotation that's just kind of mid. I would say it's really just getting carried by Garrett Cole. Their bullpen is amazing. It's the best in baseball by a significant margin, actually. 3.24 ERA. Second best built bullpen in baseball is Cleveland with a 3.43 ERA. So they're way better. They're way ahead of the curve. Uh, the only guy who doesn't have an ERA under four in this bullpen is, funny enough, Albert Abreu. Remember Albert Abreu? We traded him and then designated him for assignment for literally no reason. Now he's on the Yankees. He has a 4.14 ERA, so he's not even a bad reliever. That That's how good their bullpen is. This is their worst reliever right there. And we gave him up for nothing. Good job, Royals. So on Friday... Yankees are going to send out Clark Schmidt to pitch this game. He was the 16th overall pick in 2017, but this is his first full season, even though he, he's 27 already. 4.31 ERA, 94 innings pitched so far, so he's all right, and his peripherals are con consistent. There's nothing like that really stands out as particularly bad. He's not like getting lucky or unlucky or anything. He is getting hit hard. 1.3 home runs per nine, but in general, he's just like doing all right. Getting a healthy amount of strikeouts, not walking a ton of guys, not getting hit too much. He's a right-handed pitcher who throws his sweeper more often than anything else. It's at 86 mile an hour. Opponents are only hit. Opponents are only hitting 223 against it and striking out or swinging and missing 26% of the time. Then he's got a cutter and a sinker that are that are getting hit a lot, and then but. He's able to get away with all that with a big vertical curveball. That's his big put-away pitch. And he has a changeup that he sometimes throws for lefties. Royals are going to send out Alec Marsh, who is who has a 5.4 ERA in three starts so far this season. His last start, however, went six innings, two earned runs, 11 strikeouts, and only one walk versus the Tampa Bay Rays. So if he was able to be that good against a really good offense... I'd really like to see Alec Marsh against an offense that is not good right now. So this is a really good chance to have a competitive game right here. Fingers crossed. Saturday, uh, the Yankees are going to send out Garrett Cole. Yep, we got to see Garrett Cole. He is maybe perhaps the Cy Young frontrunner this season. 2.78 ERA in 123 innings pitched with his league-leading 20 starts so far. What's interesting about Cole though, is that 
even though he's having a really good season, his strikeout numbers are like significantly down. He's only he he's only striking out 9.8 per 9 innings, which is pretty good in general, but this guy is average 12 and a half over his last 5 seasons, and his walks are up a little bit too. But the one thing that he has really improved on is the home runs. His home run rate has gone way down. That's usually been a thing that's been an issue for him in the past. And Garrett Cole, he is just a stereotypical power pitcher. He just pounds the zone with velocity. He throws his fastball 56% of the time. And then he's got a slider, curveball, changeup that he mixes around whenever he feels like. Whenever he feels like, rather. Um, interestingly enough, the fastball velocity is down a little bit, but it still grades out well. It's still a good fastball. It still moves. Um, I couldn't actually get the batting data, the batted ball data against his pitches because for some reason, StatCast just, like, did not have it. I don't know what else to say. Like, the, the, the pitch tracking tab was just gone on his page. What are they hiding? <laughs> I don't know. Is there a conspiracy going on right here? Why is Garrett Cole not have all of his data publicly available? That was, that was, that's really weird. I haven't seen that before. Uh, maybe I should report back on this later. Royals, meanwhile, are going to send out Brady Singer and his 5.7 ERA. Yikes. With 102.2 innings pitched, he is the American League leader in hits allowed. Congratulations. But for what it's worth, his last start was really good. Eight innings pitched, seven hits, four earned runs, two home runs. And like we talked about last time, there was like a big three-run home run that really uh, did him in. Or no, it was like a... I don't remember what it was, but a lot of those, most if not all of those runs came in that eighth inning for Brady Singer, so not too worried about that. Interestingly enough, by the way, I wanted to see if I could cherry pick something about Brady Singer to, you know, spin a positive about about him. So I looked at the point where he had his highest ERA of the season. It was like 7.5 at one time. So I'm like, okay, when did it go get, get lower than that? And from that point on, how has he pitched to the, to this point? And it's nine starts going back to May 27th. He's a 4.05 ERA in those nine starts and a 3.8 FIP, which is really good because he's only given up four home runs in 53 innings. So there might still something be there might still be something in Brady Singer. He might still be in there. Of course, we the strikeouts aren't great and the walks aren't great, but he does. It does genuinely look like he's kind of on a road to recovery because there's a pretty decent sample size. It's like half of his season he's actually pitched pretty decently to this point. So maybe, hopefully, this will continue. Now on Sunday, this will be a very fun matchup. The Yankees are going to send out Luis Severino. He is their young, homegrown ace from 2017. He almost won the Cy Young that season. And that was the season where Aaron Judge came up. The Yankees were, like, cited as a rebuilding team, and then they almost went to the World Series that year. So, uh, and that was, you know, thanks to partially thanks to Severino. He was extended after 2018, after another really good season, and then he immediately got injured. But from 2019 to 2021, he threw 18 innings total. And he only threw 120. He only threw 102 in 2022. I think he might have had Tommy John, so that's probably why. So he's in the final year of his extension, all of a sudden. And right now, he has a 6.66 ERA. Yep. 
And that's in 10 starts, 48.2 innings pitched. And all the numbers are terrible. 11.8 hits per nine. 2.2 home runs per nine. 4.1 walks per nine. 7.4 strikeouts per nine. He has a whip of 1.76. Oh, brother. This guy stinks. But for what it's worth, six innings pitched, one earned run in his last start, which was against the Angels. And that one run was a home run, so I'm going to assume that was Shohei Otani who did that. Three walks, three strikeouts, so it wasn't it wasn't super pretty. But still, he had a decent start last time around. So let's give some credit and some respect to him. He's going up against an even worse lineup in the Royals. He's another righty who is supposed to pound the zone with velocity. Obviously, it's not going very well for him, but still, he throws his four-seamer 52% of the time, and it's still fast, still like 97, but opponents are hitting 339 against it. <laughs> the changeup slider and cutter, those are also getting hit around a lot, but for what it's worth, a slider does have really good movement still. It just seems like he's missing with it a lot, so maybe there's still some recalibration going on with this guy, but... Yeah, the numbers aren't very pretty. But I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up <laughs> tossing a gem versus the Royals, because why wouldn't he? He's pitching against the Royals. Meanwhile, the Royals are going to send out Jordan Lyles and his 6.05 ERA, 102.2 innings pitched. But he's been pitching pretty well lately. 4.17 ERA in his last seven starts, a 3.78 FIP, in that, in that same time, which is thanks to only eight walks and four home runs given up in the last 41 innings. So Jordan Lyles is stabilizing. He's normalizing. But he is pitching in a very hitter-friendly ballpark. He is going to get... He, 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 he has a great opportunity... He, blah, blah, blah. he has a great opportunity to get porched to death. So we'll see how he handles that. We'll see how the Royals handle this supposedly struggling Yankees team. I, like, like, I'm seriously going into this thinking, oh man, maybe the Royals are going to be able to beat the Yankees. And then it's like, wait, the Yankees are still like 20 games better. <laughs> it's just that everybody really amplifies their, uh, their futility or their struggles or whatever. But whatever happens, we'll talk about it when we get there. This ended up being a longer episode than I expected. But you know what? It was actually pretty fun to do that. It was all that dumb stuff that I added in the middle of it. But I wanted to do that. It was fun. Thank you for being here with me while I uh, read off of some stuff. Hope you enjoyed. And if you want to hear more nonsense from me, then consider following, subscribing, rating the podcast on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. But if you don't, no hard feelings. I love and appreciate you all the same. You can also yell at me directly at Royal Deluxe Pod or at the MFNKC on Twitter. And further inquiries can be sent to Royal Deluxe Podcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you about whatever it is you have to say about this podcast, me, the Royals, life in general. They're all one and the same, I think. Miserable. Thank you very much for making the Royal Deluxe Podcast a part of your day, and I hope you're having a good one. Hope you have a good weekend. I'll be back on Monday, and until then, I've been Lux, and go Royals!